What a great way to start a service, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> so uh, I forgot to mention, uh, right after the service today, uh, we will be in the Coffee Fellowship area with the families. Uh, we have a cake uh, for you, and we'll sign the certificates there uh, to, to help celebrate this. I, I, I got to tell you, being a parent is probably one of the scariest things I've ever done. There, there's not really a, a good manual that goes along with that. There's not a, uh, a really a, a good way for us to, to say, all right, well, if they say this, what do I say? But if we read it, the Scripture is full of principles, parents, that we should use in order to raise our children in the instruction of the Lord. Um, Jesus we're in Luke chapter 4, verse 16 through 30. Jesus, as he begins his ministry, experienced something that, that really I think we feel a, a whole lot. Jesus was rejected. That's, that's pretty hard, isn't it? And, and what makes it hardest of all was Jesus was rejected in his hometown. Let me read the verse for you and then we'll unpack it a little bit. It says, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up as was his custom. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him and he unrolled the scroll and he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? <laughs> if only the story stopped there. Jesus gets up and, and, and he reads from the prophet Isaiah. And what Jesus is reading, he is reading about the coming Messiah. And then Jesus says, and this scripture has been fulfilled in your midst. What he was claiming was, I am the promised Messiah. And the people marveled at the gracious words that were coming out of his mouth. Wouldn't that be a great way to go back home? let's say that, that you were a new believer and you go back or you run across a childhood friend or for some of us it's family and you go back to family wouldn't it be great if we went back and and said you know what jesus has changed my life he's changed everything and and i want to tell you how you can have a relationship with jesus and they said you know what i've been waiting for you to come and tell me that wouldn't that be awesome and so then you shared the gospel and they came to faith in christ well that's not our experience oftentimes but let me keep reading he said in verse 23, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. What we have heard that you did in Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And Jesus said, Jesus gave him some, some tough words. Truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up for three years and six months. And a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. 
And there were many lepers in Israel at the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Nahum and the, Nahum the Syrian. And they, when they heard these things, all in a synagogue were filled with wrath. Isn't that funny? <laughs> Jesus begins to talk, and they, were, they marveled at the gracious words that were coming out of his mouth. And just a few sentences later, sentences, I can't even talk today, sentences, that's the word. Just a little while later, it says they were filled with wrath and they rose up and they drove him out of town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him off the cliff. I love this, but passing through their midst, he, he went on his way. So, so picture this, Jesus Jesus, who began his ministry and began in Capernaum, is healing the sick. Jesus is, is really coming out, and, and it's amazing the things that he's doing. He's casting out demons. He's teaching with authority. He's healing the sick, and he gets to Nazareth, his hometown, and he's rejected. Not only rejected, they brought him to the edge of the cliff to throw him off. Now, I don't know about you. I haven't quite had that experience at home. I haven't had quite that experience with those uh, that I've grown up with. But, but let, me, let me just kind of give you the, the big idea this morning. And I almost made the first part of this a subtitle. So rejected, home is where it's hardest. Isn't it? Home is where it's hardest. And the more they see Jesus in us, the easier it is for them to hear the things that Jesus says. So when we, when we read this, we find, we find Jesus experiencing the same thing. Home is where it's hardest. Have you ever heard the term familiarity breeds contempt? You ever heard that? Yeah, I know somebody did online. They... Familiarity breeds contempt. Now, that's not a Bible verse. Don't go looking for it. But, but we experience this, and there's a lot of ways that it's true. It doesn't have to be. But there's a lot of ways that that's true. And, and I know, uh, thinking about going back to your hometown or, or, or maybe with your family, that it seems that that's where it's hardest for us to share the gospel. That's where it's hardest for us to live it out. And let me, let me give you two reasons that I think this is. One reason is because there's some baggage. Boy, nobody said amen. Am I hitting too close to home or you can't relate to this at all? There's some baggage. So let me go to Jesus. You may be thinking, how could Jesus have baggage with his family? Well, imagine, if you will, Jesus is your brother. And you mess up. And your mom says, if only you'd be a little bit more like Jesus. Can, can you imagine? Now, now, Jesus is sinless. He never did anything wrong. He never sinned. But, but how many of you, ha have you had to grow up in the shadow of an, of an older sibling? Anybody? Some of you had to live it down, right? <laughs> but, but, you know, why don't you be more like your brother? Why don't you be more like your sister? We, we probably have heard those things. Um, well, I have to be careful. My family might be watching, but my sister's kind of set the bar low for me. Um, my, my dad told me in sixth grade, he said, son, th this is out of the blue. I think we we're working on the truck or something. He said, son, if you ever get put in jail, I'm not getting you out. 
I, I can probably manage that, Dad, I'm, I'm thinking, you know. Don't have to be a brain surgeon or astronaut, just don't go to jail. But can you imagine living in the shadow of Jesus? He never did anything wrong. He was perfect all the time, 24-7, 365. And I don't know, I mean, I can almost hear, uh, hear Mary's voice uh, for some reason, I hear it with a New York Jewish accent. <laughs> Why can't you be more like your brother? You know? Why can't you be more like Jesus? I, I can't, um, I, I don't, I'm, I'm just supposing. I'm just putting myself in their shoes. I, I would imagine it would be hard for Jesus' brothers and sisters not to have a little bit of resentment. I mean, you can't live up to that. You know, the bar is way too high. So, so even I, I think I think even in Jesus' family there was some baggage. Some of it is that just the familiarity that he's going back, and, and you know they they marveled at first and said, "Isn't this Joseph's son?" But I bet you at some point they said, "You know, this is Joseph's son. Where does he get off telling us this?" I know he's a rabbi. I know, but but. I remember when he was little. You know? We, we, I'm getting to the age where I feel like seeing this sometimes. Whippersnapper, where do you get off telling me what to do, you know? And, and we have that in our families. I think it's hardest at home because we have some baggage. I remember Cynthia and I, we, we were first dating. She said, my dad gets along better with you than he does my brothers. And I said, because he didn't raise me. <laughs> He didn't have to put up with me. We don't have all that baggage. Sure, it's a lot easier. And, and so, so some, one part of the reason I believe that it's hardest at home is, is we have that. We have a history. We have the baggage that comes along with it. The relationships, and there's no perfect relationship anywhere, but man, when you have a lifetime of relationship, especially with your family, there's history. There hurts. Some of them are hard to get over. I, I, I don't know about you, but man, there's still some things that, you know, I think, yeah, you, we forgive and, and we try to forget, but it's hard to forget. And so we, we get back together and for someone that doesn't know, they, they see you and they think, man, what is going on here? And you say, well, there's, I almost said my age. There's some history behind this. Um, something happened. And, and if only, if only with us, that was all in the past. Our second problem that we have is not only is there some baggage, but if you're like me, we keep messing up. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're, you're boy, I'm, I'm trying not to make this too personal, but <clears throat> your family member calls and you don't call them back. They want you to come visit and you can't come visit. You did something for one family member, but you didn't do it for the other, and you know, you, we still have to live with them, don't we? You know, it's really quiet in here. If somebody would say amen occasionally. Home is where it's hardest. That Jesus went back to his hometown and was rejected. And, and I know for us that, man, it's our family it's those that we grew up with. 
um, I, I almost dread going back home. Sometimes I was a stinker. And that's a nice way to put it. I didn't meet the Lord till I was 15. And go back and they want to talk about all those stories. And I have to, you know, they don't get to see me now. And I have to tell them I'm, I'm not like that anymore. So home is where it's hardest. But, but the big idea behind this is the more they see Jesus in us, the easier it is for them to hear what Jesus says, to hear the words of Jesus. Does that make sense to you? We, we have the baggage. We still mess up. I mean, that happens on a daily basis for us. But the more they see Jesus in us, then the more we tell them about Jesus, the more of Jesus they're going to hear. And that's hard for us. I, 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 think that's, I think that's why it's so much easier to go share the gospel in Panama to go share the gospel in Nicaragua, to go share the gospel in Ethiopia. I'm just mentioning places I've been. To go there and go knock on the door and you share the gospel with them. And, and those are good things to do, by the way. We, we did that partnering together with other groups and then they would follow up. But that's easier for me because they don't see me every single day. I don't get the opportunity to let them down. I don't get the opportunity to disappoint them. They don't see me stumble and fall. They don't see me lose my temper they don't see me tell a joke that maybe i should have forgotten long ago they don't see those kinds of things but they see it at home don't they anybody ever lose their temper at home you don't have to raise your hand if we lose it that's usually where we lose it i keep finding it though i wish i'd lose my temper and just get it over with But the people that we're with the most are the ones that are hardest because they see us day in and day out. But the more they can see Jesus in us, then the more they're going to hear the words of Jesus that we speak to them. So let me give you uh, just a couple of things uh, really uh, to to help solidify this. Uh, Really, so, so... what it means for us is we need to be sure that our faith is a living faith. Does that make sense to you? We need to make sure that it's a living faith, that it's in us, that they see it in us. It's not just something we say, but, but that they see it in our daily lives. They hear it in our conversations, even though we might have messed up yesterday. They see that. And, and let me give you just a couple of ways that they can see that what it really comes down to it, it all comes down to our life i, I know uh, of all the ways that that i've i've heard that we share jesus with people this is the hardest because we we put our lives on display when we do this so it all comes down to our life first of all they need to see that our life has changed in in second corinthians five seventeen, paul says therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creation the old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. So, so the first question we have to ask ourselves is, has there been a change in my life since I have come to faith in Jesus? Has there been a change? Now, for me, that's been some time ago, and, and, and so I can, I can point to those, and, I, man, I, I almost have to. I, I got to tell you, I, I see more shocked people when I go back and see people that I grew up with, and they find out I'm a pastor. Yeah. Their thought probably is, well, 
I knew God was going to do something with him. <laughs> Either going to take him, you know, take him away or, or change him. But, but to see the change between before I was a Christian and now, that, that they need to see my life has changed. They, they, they've got to see that. And, and boy, family's got to be the hardest for that to be. They, I'm still, my, my, I only have one living sister. I'm still her little brother. She's like this tall, okay? I'm, I'm tall in my family. <laughs> we came from somewhere over the rainbow in Munchkin land, I guess. She still sees me as her little brother. I have to help her see that my life has changed. I'm, I'm, I'm not that guy. I'm not the same person. And some of the stories that we kind of relive, they're fun and funny. The time I set my bed on fire when I was five. It was an accident. It doesn't help when I say I wanted to watch the duck burn. It was a paper duck. That's the kid she remembers. Some of you are shocked. I'm not that same, I'm not that guy. I, I'm, I'm not that little stinker anymore. And, and so we have to ask ourselves, has, has there been a change? If I, if, I, if I get back in touch with someone that I grew up with, can they see the change in me? Uh, obviously, I had hair back then. But, but can they see the change in my heart? But it's not just a changed life that we need to, to be able to point to. It is a changing life that we need to be able to point to. Paul says again in 2 Corinthians 3.18... And we all with unveiled face, he just got through talking about Moses. When Moses met with God, he, he glowed with the Shekinah glory of God. Just from having been with God, he glowed. And then he veiled his face because the glow faded a bit and he didn't want people to know. So Paul's saying, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image, that is of Jesus, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the, from the Lord who is the Spirit. They, they need to see a changing life in us. They need to, say, they, they need to see that God is still working. If you're going to tell your testimony, you, you don't need to go back 30 years ago. You, you can do that. But you need to be able to give a testimony of what God is doing now in your life. And the best way that I know for that to happen, you guys have heard this a lot over the last few weeks, but the best way that I know for that to happen is for us to get into his word. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to the world. That's easy. We're being pressed into the world's mold all the time. So don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So here's the idea behind that. Here's what we need to be about. As we follow Jesus, as we walk with Jesus, we want to become more like Jesus what that means is we need to get into his word and we need to replace the world's thoughts and attitudes with God's thoughts and attitudes. Does that make sense to you? Replace the world's thoughts and attitudes with God's thoughts and attitudes. And I mentioned just a couple this morning when we were, when we were talking about the parent-child dedication. Listen, the world says that you, you can't, Tell them what to believe, that they need to come to that conclusion on their own. The Bible says you need to raise them up in the Lord. 
You need to raise them to follow God. They don't find their own way. You show them the way. That's the biblical principle. Even though I know the world says that, and that sounds weird, doesn't it? Because we're all about whether they have to come to faith in Christ on their own. That, that is, that's a personal thing. And I would say, yes, but, but you raise them to follow the Lord. You don't give them options. That's one. The other one is, is another one that I mentioned. When they're 18, you just kind of take your hands off. They're on their own. There's nowhere in Scripture where you see anything like that principle. Nothing, nothing that comes close. <laughs> the way you parent changes, but you will parent your child as long as they're alive and you're alive. Those are just two, man. There, there are tons. But what we need to do is, because I know we're inundated with this all the time from the world, we don't even have news anymore. We don't watch, we don't have broadcast TV, but man, it still creeps in. Uh, the, the world is pushing, 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 and they're doing that to our children in school. We are so blessed to have the schools that we have up here, but it's not going to be long, I believe, before we're going to have to start combating some things even here. The world is seeking to take our children. The world is seeking to, to force, force, that's when you pour and force, <laughs> force their teaching on us. We need to be in the word so that we can see the difference between what the world says and what God says. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And that's hard. And, and man, I tell you, the only way I know is to stay in the word. To look, see everything through the lens of scripture. Does that make sense? You want me to throw one out there just, just to get you thinking about it? Are you guys ready? Here's the other bombshell. My kids have heard all this so many times. They're both going, uh-huh, if they're hearing, listening right now. Dating. <gasps> the Bible doesn't say anything about dating, especially the way our world dates. Our world says, you try it out. You date somebody. And I ask kids, what happens if it's not working? They say, you break up. What do you do then? You date somebody else. What do you do when it's not working? You break up. <laughs> and by the way, <clears throat> even if dating were a way to find a mate, I don't know a 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th grader that needs to be looking for a mate. <laughs> but that blows your mind even when I say that. I, I said this to a, a really strong Christian woman one time she says well then how do they find a husband or a wife and then that's when i smile and say that's what god that's what mom and dad are for <laughs> but it's not dating like the world the way the bible approaches it is totally different some of you i know that you're debating that in your mind let me just throw this one thing out here the bible never calls you to be in a romantic relationship with anyone other than your spouse can't find it anywhere in scripture but that's not what our world says. Now, I know some of you teenagers are going to catch your parents on the way home. Then we're not going to do that. Are we? That's between you and your parents. But the point is, replace the world's thoughts and attitudes with God's thoughts and attitudes. That's how we change. 
We're transformed by the renewing of our mind. And that only comes about from God's word. And I got to tell you, it's hardest at home. <laughs> it is hardest at home. Parents, grandparents, I firmly believe that the reason so many kids who grow up in church walk away from church is because we've never handed off a living faith to them. They have to see it in us for them to really believe. Let me pray for you this morning. God, we, we looked at some hard things this morning. It, it's easier to send them to school and it's easier to send them to church and, and hope that they learn what they learned there. But God, you've given us as parents the responsibility uh, to teach our children and our grandchildren. Father, the only way, the only way that our, our families and those close friends, the only way those at home even our hometown that we grew up in are going to believe is if, if they see Jesus in us and I love the way the Lord the, the, the way your word says it God it is that we are transformed from glory to glory from one to another and that, it, that happens by you by your spirit so Holy Spirit would you work in us Holy Spirit would you change us would you help Jesus to be what people see in us. And God, if there's anyone here who's never put their faith and hope and trust in Christ, Holy Spirit, would you just speak to them, just draw them to you, and I pray that today would be the day that they would do that. Father, work in us in a way that brings you honor and glory, in a way that brings people to faith in Christ. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.